Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. With that, so if you will, if you'll grab the book of Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> I'm going to share, I'll be, uh, uh, just share with you out of my heart some things that I, I've preached this a ton, but I'm going to re-hit it again this morning. And just really tell you what I feel like the Lord is saying and where we're at, uh, not only here, but really as a body. So I want to share uh, from that angle. Um, those of you that uh, you would have to be on another planet to not realize that uh, one of the God's uh, generals went to be with the Lord this week, Billy Graham, 99 years of age. Uh, man, I watched this morning... Uh, on uh, YouTube, just some clips of when they moved, were, were uh, taking him to Charlotte and just the whole town standing out, just, I mean, lining the streets as his, as his uh, you know, as his funeral procession was coming through, headed towards Charlotte to honor him and to honor his life, to honor the message that he stood for over uh, one millions to the Lord. And uh, and just uh, there, there's just a lot uh, with that, and I want to talk from this morning. I probably won't share the clip. I can tell you where to find it. Uh, there's a lot of prophecy concerning uh, Billy. Uh, I mean uh, Billy's uh, death and uh, him going to be with the Lord. And so I want to share from that this morning, and I want to talk about that. There's a clip that you can find it on YouTube. If you'll just type in Benny Hinn um, and then type in uh, Billy Graham, you can pull it up. But this was on. This was in uh, July, I think, of 2012. It was a praise the Lord set. Paul Crouch was still alive because he's he's on the. I think he went to be with the Lord in 2013, and he's sitting on the couch, and uh, <clears throat> it's a. Uh, Praise the Lord said or whatever, and you'll see Mark Sharona's on there, and Benny Hinn is the one that's uh, talking, and then he looks at uh, Dr. Sharona and says that the Spirit of the Lord is all over you, and then he begins to talk. And so, but Benny Hinn says on there that, and Mark Sharona prophesies about this company of people. How many's ever read the book of Joel chapter 2? Y'all all right? Stay with us right here. I'll, I'll get anointed in a minute, okay? I'm just trying to set, set up what we're going to talk about this morning. But um, how many's ever read Joel chapter 2? And Joel talks about an army that's arising on the earth. Now listen, we know this. It doesn't take rocket science to look at the world and see that the globe, I mean, we're in need of a massive move of God. Do you believe this? I do not believe that we're going to be able to legislate out of this thing from Washington, D.C. It's going to take a massive move of God. Do you believe that? A lot of the burden is still lies on the church. We still have the promises of God's word in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that if the church would humble themselves and seek his face, then we would hear from heaven and God would heal our land. So there's a literal healing of the lands. We've seen that, uh, you know, uh, through, through, you can Google this, there's a, there's a a, a documentary on Appalachian Dawn uh, where it's in Manchester, Kentucky that God, there was such a move of God that hit that town that was overtaken by drugs and, and it's just a phenomenal documentary uh, on the transformation series that God, the elk population 
since that move of God in that revival, the elk population has really just tripled and uh, doubled and tripled in that area. The cleanest drinking water can be found in Manchester, Kentucky, out of that whole entire state. So that is, we know the promise that God holds in his word, that if we would seek him, we would hear from heaven, and God would heal our land. There is a lot of, of this lies at the foot of the church, if you will. And so... Um, so in this, uh, he, he begins to talk about this army, this company of people. Now, there's two trolls you can feed from. You can feed from the media. Come on now. And all media is biased. I don't care what channel you're watching. They all got something they're promoting. Come on now. And so let's establish that. Or we can feed from the trough for the good news. Now, I can promise you, I do watch the news, and Catherine gets on to me sometimes for watching the news sometimes, but, but listen, I just like to know what's going on, but with this too, we can feed from this trough or this trough, but let me just say this, the good news, if we feed only from the media, I can promise you it's going to lead to depression, and we all say amen to that. So in this company of people that he saw rising up, and Benny Hinn goes on, if you watch that clip, he'll say, he says that in 1989, God told him that the sign of this army, if you will, or the sign of this company of people, uh, be, that, that we would see this, the timing of this would be when Billy Graham goes home to be with the Lord. Now think about it. He was 99 years of age. And so what we have heard prophesied for years, many prophets have prophesied this for years, what God is desiring to do in the end times is not to anoint another man to stand in front of thousands. Come on now. But a company, a literal body of people that would carry that same anointing. Come on, somebody. Or that same mantle. That same mantle. Could you imagine if there was only one and if that mantle come back down and hit literally thousands of people, that literally thousands of harvesters would be thrust into our community Come on, somebody. There's still going, there is a massive revival that is coming to this land. I know it's hard to believe when you turn on the news and you see what's happening. But listen, we got the promise of God's word in Isaiah. He says, Arise, gross darkness shall cover the land, but arise and shine for your light has come. We're not waiting on a light to come. The light has already come. That is not a suggestion given to the church. That is a command to rise up and take our place and shine in the earth earth and every jeweler knows this to reveal the beauty of the diamond you drape the case with black felt right because the, the darkness behind the diamond will reveal the beauty of the diamond and that's the same thing God will use with the darkness that's going throughout this earth that he will use that as a backdrop to reveal the light of his church y'all with me all right we got rain hitting the building we ate a lot of shrimp last night, so it's going to take a lot of faith to stay awake, okay, for, for the next 40 minutes. So let's go right here to Ephesians chapter 4. I also want to share this. In 2008, I had a dream. In this dream, I had a, <clears throat> a series of events to happen in the dream. I was reminded of this this week. In, um, in, in 2008, I had a dream, and in this dream, I was in this classroom, and I was in, I was in California. And I, knew, I noticed how green the grass was in California. And I remember picking up the phone, calling my mom and said, you're never going to believe where I'm at. I'm in California. I just thought it was neat in the dream that 
country boy from southeast Georgia made it all the way to California. And I, in the dream, I was telling her, can you believe I'm in California? And then we were hunkered down in this classroom like studying, preparing. We had a professor in the room, and so, uh, but the professor, the professor was in, he was in, in, in jeans and like a white Hanes t-shirt. And in this, I saw this massive like tornado coming across the, coming across the plains, if you will, across the green grass. And I remember everybody th- saying that the tornado was going to take us out. And so, uh, <clears throat> that, and in that, uh, I remember saying, we don't have to, we don't have to allow this tornado to take us out. We're going to pray and rebuke this thing, command this tornado to leave or whatever. So we started rebuking and causing this tornado to leave. But I noticed in the dream that the professor never rebuked the tornado and the professor never asked the tornado to leave. Then the dream shifted and changed. And when the dream shifted and changed, I was in Chris Violetton's office in Redding, California. And we were talking and I said, I'm fixing to go back to Georgia. And he said, he he said you need to he said you need to go see bill before you leave and he said that Bill is out on, he's out on, the, we're building a new facility and he's out on the job site. And as I went and the dream shifted and as I went to the job site, I seen these men like in khakis and polo shirts or whatever and they had white, they had white helmets on. White on the job site represents foreman. I ain't never got to wear one. I always had the blue helmet. No. But anyhow, the white represents the foreman. But anyhow, um, and so the, they were in there and each had a company of people. And I've been around building all my life and I know this, that building starts at the foundation. You can't call a roofer until you got somebody to stud up the walls. Are you with me? But in this, I have never seen building like this in the natural. But in this dream, they were working on the foundation. They were late. They were studying the walls. They were building the roof. The painters were working. Everyone was working simultaneously. And I have never seen building like this ever done. I believe this morning, I feel the Lord just come all over me. I believe we are entering into a season where the church is going to build like never before, friend. Are you with me? There has been a preparation, if you will. There has been a season. We have gone through a little over a decade where nothing, especially down here in the south, where there's been hardly nothing. And so God was speaking to us in 2008 about change and about the winds of change. I remember standing on the back of our church over in Alma and I remember calling Ken Mullis and I I told him about the dream. And I remember Ken penning a song called The Winds of Change. God was speaking about the winds of change in 2008 and 2007 and 08. There was a candidate called Barack Obama that run his campaign on change and went into the White House. God was screaming that. God has been screaming that for a while, that the winds of change is coming and what we thought was going to kill us actually didn't do nothing but burn the dross up in the church. Come on, to bring landscape change to the church. God was saying, I don't want this storm rebuke. Every storm does not come from the devil, friend. Come on, some God sends storms some times if you will come on now I'm not talking about a destruction but he allows us to go through some things so that when 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 judgment hits the world how many knows this the Bible says the judgment shall hit the house of God first and we've interpreted that that God's going to pull our playboys out before he pulls the worlds out that is not what it means it means crises will come to the church first before it ever hits the world why so the church will build a solid foundation when it hits the world so they can have something to run into he He is a strong tower that the righteous can run into, friend. So this morning, I want to talk about this army. 
Joel says in this army there's been none like them before there will there be none like them after them it says that this army knows how to march in cadence this is an army that has found her place she's no longer searching for her call she has identified her call she's no longer looking for her lane she has found her lane God I feel the Holy Ghost right here now is not a day to try to be figuring out what you called to be, friend. We gotta identify what is called to, what you called to be. How do you find your calling? Get along with God, you'll he'll reveal your calling. What do you love to do? What are you passionate about? What makes you cry? What makes you angry? There's some good lanes right there to figure out your calling. Now let's look at this in Ephesians 4. All right. Now let me say this. This was said some years ago. This was in a... Um, this was in a prayer session at Bethel before service. And Chris Valentin addressed this in his book, Heavy Rain. Giving you some good, that's a good read right there, buddy. And so in this book, he talks about a prayer session one morning. And he said, God, make us a pool of Bethesda. And he said, immediately God spoke back and said, I'm done with the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter 5, there was this pool of Bethesda, right? Are you with me? In this pool, the scripture says that it had five porticos. There was five porches is what the King James rendered. Five porticos. This is a picture of the five-fold ministry, if you will. The five coverings that God is mentioning in Ephesians 4. We're going to get there. When David took out Goliath, he chose five smooth stones. He did not take six. He did not grab four. He chose five smooth stones. This shows us the preparation that it takes for ministry. Come on, son. Somebody, you get smooth stones out of the river. The only way they could be smooth is they had to stay in their place and allow the current to go against them. They had to lay there and hold on in a place until the current actually calls all the sand, everything that comes down in the current, rubs them and makes them smooth. So in this was the five porticos, the heat, the pool of Bethesda, and the scripture says that in a certain season, an angel come down and stirred the water. I'm in John 5, you with me? An angel come down and stirred the water. And whoever was the first one in the water after the stirring was made whole. Jesus comes up there, there's a man laid there for 38 years. He says, wilt thou be made whole in the King James? And then he goes on to say, sir, I have no one to put me in the water. I, I mean, I have no one. Every, every year somebody beats me. Come on now. Somebody beats me to it. And so Jesus said, goes on and says, wilt thou be made whole? And then Jesus heals the man. Now here's the focus of that John 5 pool. This is where we've been at the church in the south and especially over here on this side of America, on the east coast, a lot of us in the south because that's the only place I've, I've ministered at is we have done church services like this. If you could just get your family to come to church, maybe God could change your life. 
If we could just get that hellion that lives next to us, our next door neighbor, come on somebody, maybe if we got them to come to church, God could change their life. We are moving from that, friend. That is not, that has never been really the design of God anyhow. We are moving to that Ezekiel 47 river, which is a different picture, and the scripture says that river flows from the threshold of the house of God, and it goes out into the community, and wherever that river touches, the scripture says in Ezekiel 47, there shall be life. That is a difference between a church that is coming to hear a preacher preach the gospel, come on somebody, and a church that has realized that their preacher's been given them to train and equip them that they do the work of ministry. I'm trying to preach in here and when I go to my job that I have been planted, come on somebody, that parable of the sower. Some of us have been sown on stony places. Some of us have been sown in a place where everybody's saved. But we all have been sown in this community and every one of us in this room carries a level of influence and we are preaching the gospel to our co-workers every day whether we realize it or not. You either preaching depression or you're preaching faith. You preaching hopelessness or you preaching hope, friend, but we are preaching with our life every day. So the goal is not can you come to church. The goal is when you run into me at Walmart, I realize the same God that's in this church this morning is the same God in me at Walmart. I realize the same God that's in this church during worship is the same God that's with me riding down the road. If I'm at a Braves game, a Falcons game, come on somebody, in a hospital room, God said he'd never leave us nor forsake us and this is the revelation that is coming to the church. Lord, we still got people say, I want to go to church. I'm for the local church. I believe in going to church. Anybody that is not for the local church, I'm not going to give you a dime for them. I don't care how many degrees they got and what they say they got on their life. You can't have a Joshua without a Moses. And Jesus never opened his mouth until John the Baptist pointed out and said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. I ain't taught myself appointees either. I'll get off of that. But here's the deal. The scripture says that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. That just doesn't mean to go to church. When you go to church, listen, there's a lot of churches that are not assembling themselves together. When you assemble something, you buy it, and that means peace goes to each piece. There shouldn't be a bunch of parts left over. I don't like to read directions. I just like to take it out and look at the picture and figure out how it goes. But sometimes I find out I have extra parts. And Catherine says, where do those parts go? I said, they sent them for extra in case something breaks. <laughs> but when we assemble ourselves together, listen to me. When we assemble ourselves together, we find where each piece fits. And Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said, forsake not to assemble yourselves together even, even more when you see the day approaching. So there's calling of an assembly. And Peter goes on to say that we're living stones in this room, right? We're living stones in this room being built together to form a spiritual house. Man, I'm trying to preach this morning. This shows you the power of God that is available when we come together as living stones. We build a wall, a stone wall that, ha that houses the presence of, of the living God. 
And if you got a river in you and I got a river in me, that's what happens in this room when we begin to worship. The river of God comes out of us and we create something at flood stage in this room. And we take what wouldn't move in a normal creek. Come on, somebody. We'll move in a raging river. There ain't no log that a raging river. That's one of the most destructive things there is, is a flood, friend. Come on now. Watch, you couldn't move on your own when you get in here in corporate worship. Come on now. And you begin to release the river in you, and I release the river in me, and she releases the river in her, and Stan releases the river in him. It releases a flood that brings freedom to the house of God. All right. So we're moving from this pool mentality. If I can just get you here. Well, if I can just get you to the preacher, he can lead you into salvation. You lead him to salvation. What's the difference between your hands and my hands? Now see, if we point it all all on the preacher, then we know different from the Catholic church. Oh, Lord. Come on. I got a job to do and you got a job to do. We all got a place in this thing. We're part of one body. All right, so let's move right here in Ephesians 4. You got it? Now. All right. Let's look at, let's look at, um, let's look at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given. Grace wasn't earned, it was what? Given. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now Christ was all fivefold wrapped up into one. But nobody's all wrapped up into one now. Come on. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now look at this. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to who? Men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fit all things. And he himself gave some, look at this, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Look at this, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Look at this. You are all called into full-time ministry. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in full-time ministry. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that. We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Come on. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What is your gift for? To edify. Is your gift to tear people up or to edify? Edify. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, look at this, to a perfect man, a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at what Paul's writing. He's saying the church is going to come to a place of maturity to look like the stature of Christ. 
The problem is the body ain't been equal to the head. Come on. You with me? Stay right here. Stay right here. Let's go on. This gets you thrown out of some places. Look right here. That we should no longer be children. Look at your neighbor and say, quit being a child. Tossed to and fro. Carried about whatever wind of doctrine. Come on now, look at this. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But look at this, go on. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now how does the body, how does the local body grow? Does it grow by good worship teams? Does it grow by having a good preacher? No, it grows by you finding your place and you doing your job in the work of the ministry. It's hard for us to win the game when the right fielder stays at home. Oh, Lord. Lord, I love preaching these things because it gives the spotlight off of me. Now, you ready? Each gift releases a grace. Now, here's the thing. Whatever you dishonor will move away from your life. Whatever you bring honor to will move closer to your life. So if we dishonor any of the grace gifts, some don't even believe that the prophets and apostles are even here. But the scripture we just read says they're here until when? Until when? Come on, y'all, right? They're here until we all come to the unity of the faith, to a mature man. Let me say this, that creation this morning is not groaning for evangelists. Creation is not groaning for apostles. Creation is not groaning in Romans 8 for pastors. Creation is not groaning for teachers. And creation is not groaning for prophets. They, it is groaning for the mature, we are sons of God to be released on the earth. Y'all right? So creation is groaning for what? The atoms to reappear on the earth that walk in authority and dominion. A we are son of God does not cower down when he has to look at cancer. Notice how we respond. Someone calls us with cancer. Oh my, I'm so sorry. Now we was talking about this. An employee that works with Danny. We all know him in this community. Steve Matters. Steve calls, y'all call brother Wilton. Called Brother Wilton. Steve tells him, found out he's got cancer. This was his exact response. Sitting at the First Baptist Church in Hazelhurst, Georgia. This was his response. Are you coming here or am I coming to you? He calls him. Doctor says, I got cancer. Most, I'm so sorry. We'll pray for you. But listen to this. He said, are you coming here or am I coming there? What was he saying? The God we serve is big enough to take care of that in your body. 
My, 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 my. So these five, look at this, these five porticos, if you will, that are found in John chapter five, these five stones, if you will, or these five that are mentioned in Ephesians four is given to the church as a gift to release grace upon the church, to raise the church up into maturity where we can do what Jesus did. What people get mad about that? That just don't get mad with the Bible. Jesus, at the height of his ministry in John chapter fourteen, said this. He said that he said that greater works shall ye do. Am I quoting the Bible? John fourteen twelve. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He said, "Greater works are you going to do because I'm going to my Father." And what he's saying is, while you see me operate on the earth, when I get back to my Father, what has empowered me in my earthly ministry is going to meet you in the upper room in Jerusalem. Come on, somebody! In Acts chapter two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and cloven tongues as a fire set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues. What was he saying? He said in Luke 24, go into Jerusalem until you are endued with power. I'm preaching like a Pentecostal preacher. All right. These five releases grace. We cannot receive the grace from these five unless we give value we place value and honor upon the gift. Now let me say this. It's going to take all five to get it done. And what we did last night is we had a five-fold pastor. I have not heard five-fold pastors. I'm just saying in my influence with them, in, in my being around them, not too many five-fold pastors are, are going to be dynamic preachers, are they? Wouldn't be. But what they release is wholeness to the body. They release wholeness into a body. Because what happens is if you just have a militant gift operating in the church, like an, like an apostolic gift or a prophetic gift, the people all we hear about is going to take land. You know what I'm saying? Pulling heaven down, casting demons out, healing the sick, raising the dead. Meanwhile, marriages is falling apart. People... People don't feel valued enough. And so it takes the work of the pastor working in, bringing wholeness to the body in which, because God doesn't want the body feeble or crippled. God desires us to be whole. When the word of God says, be you holy as I'm holy, he's not talking about a long skirt with no makeup. What he's saying is, I want you complete as I am complete. I want you complete body, soul, and spirit. And I said it like this. You can have the strongest spirit man in the world speak in tongues night and day, angels manifesting, but if you got something frail going on in your body, if you don't address it, you're going to leave the earth. All right. So these gifts work in tandem. Now, man, time's flying. All right. Let's just go with this right here for a second. You've heard me teach this. I've taught this many times, but I just want to give you this. Here's, here's where we get in. Here's where we get in too. If we go to a church, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to word this here. 
for the sake of streaming here. Uh, let's just say this. Let's put them all in the ambulance. And you've heard me say this before. Let's put each one of these gifts in an ambulance. If each gift is driving an ambulance to the same car wreck scene, each man will respond different to the wreck scene because of his gifting. Now let me just say this. Each gift sees the body different. Are you with me? And just as each one of us speak with accents, we see with accents. We were in, I think, where were we at? We were somewhere, and the guy said, oh yeah, we were out to eat the other night. At, um, we went to Tifton, and the guy said, where are you from? I said, I was born in New York City. <laughs> he said, you weren't born in New York. <laughs> I said, the south side. <laughs> Listen, you see how we speak with accents? We also see with accents. Listen to me. Listen to me right here. Why have, listen, one of the reasons why we have not progressed further than what we have is because we see with accents. You see in the Word of God what you're prepared to see. I'm teaching good right now. A little bit. We see what we're prepared to see. If I was raised a Pentecostal, I've already got those glasses on and I'm prepared to see the way they train me to see. If I'm raised in a Baptist church, I'm prepared to debate the issue of tongues with the scriptures that I'm already, where Paul said, if I, when I was a child, I put away childish things. How would you ever call a gift that God gives a childish thing? How would you ever deal with the scripture that Paul says forbid not to speak in tongues? So if I'm in a local body that forbids speaking in tongues, I'm in a body that is forbidding me to obey what the word of God commands. It's quiet in here. Let's go right on. So listen to this. So, so we, we, each, we each see with this. So what happens is, is when these gifts are in operation, we, we, what happens is the lenses of that gift comes on the body. See, the prophet comes in this room not to prophesy words of knowledge over our life, but to create in us the ability to hear God for ourselves. Damon Thompson said it like this, that the prophet comes to circumcise the ear of the house so that we can hear God. Now, I remember Catherine and I went to one of Bishop Bill Hammond's church, which is Christian International in Daytona. And as we went into Daytona, I, I, I'm not, by no means wouldn't say I'm a prophet. I am a prophetic person. I can hear God. I do give words of knowledge and I do prophesy, but I'm not a prophet. But when we got in that church, when the worship started, I mean, my God, I, it was like God was carrying on a nonstop conversation. What happened is I come under the grace or the umbrella of that prophet that was operating in that house and got up under that realm of anointing. Come on, somebody. And it caused me to hear like that. How do you say that? How many members when in second in first Samuel ten, second Samuel ten maybe, where where Samuel anoints Saul with the ram's horn. Remember that? Second Samuel ten? And he goes down and he says, You're gonna go down and you're gonna join a company of prophets. And when you come near that company of prophets, the scripture says that Saul started prophesying, and there was a saying, Is not Saul one of the prophets? Now, what happened is, is he come up under that umbrella of that anointing, and that anointing overshadowed him, and he started operating the way they did. This is what I'm preaching about that the fivefold is given as grace gives to the church so that that grace can come. 
come on your life and you can operate on it. You don't have to call Jess Rents Monday morning when you got somebody that needs to hear the word of God. You can prophesy over them yourself because you've been trained and equipped how to hear God. My God, this is good. All right. So we're driving to Amherst. We got a call. We got a call. There's a wreck at 210 Coffee Street. We responded in the Amlets. We're going to be riding aboard the Amlets with Pastor Steve Batts, who is a fivefold pastor. When he pulls up on the wreck scene, he's not caring who the bystanders are. His whole focus is on the person in front of him. Oh my God, he's got a broken bone. He's going to need stitches. He will, he, he will set up cones in the street to protect the victim that is laying in the street. His whole focus will be on that person. You with me? Now, we're going to ride the ambulance with Evangelist Stanton Moore. He pulls up on the scene. He gets out. He looks. <clears throat> He's jacked up. He's going to notice him. Look like some broken bones. Father, touch him right now. Now he's going to go right there to the crowd, all the bystanders. If that was you laying in the street, where would you spend eternity? Heaven or hell? Get right today. Jesus is coming. Don't, why are you going to wait for tomorrow? The Bible says no man knoweth the hour nor the day. Get it right today. This is how they focus. Now we're riding in there with teacher, Jonathan Siler. He pulls up. He's going to get out. He's going to have a tool belt on. He's going to have his little measuring wheel. Mm. The slide, the skid marks there are about 70 feet. It appears that Jonathan... No, it appears that this victim was driving a little too fast for conditions. He notices how much dew's already on the highway. He measures his skid mark. He looks and sees that there's no, there's no, he has been projected from the vehicle. He did not have the seatbelt on at all. And then that, now he notices his cell phone is laying in the ditch, for this was caused by him texting and driving. You with me? You see how these gifts are working? So what you're lacking in your life, what, listen to me, what you're lacking in your life is the grace that you need poured out on your life. Listen to me. All right. Here's the deal. Now we're going to be riding with prophet. Jamie. He pulls out. Father, I release grace right here to heal this man right now for a natural born miracle in front of these people. Folks, I saw this two weeks ago in prayer. I knew this was going to happen. Don't be alarmed and don't get upset. He shall live and not die. I saw him living. He's going to turn his life around to God. He's going to become a he's going to become a strong evangelist. And this is and that's how he handles it. Now, an apostolic person is going to pull up. He's also going to call for a creative miracle in the victim. But he will address the scene a little different. You called 911. You put out three cones to protect this victim laying in the road. You with me? Now let me just say this. In American church in the south, we have made it in the church thus far using mainly one of these gifts. 
I will go on to say that we've used three of these gifts and we call all three of them pastor regardless of what they are. In some churches, we got running 600 people, but we got a room full of emphasis. We got a room full of infants because there's an evangelist at the helm of the wheel. Every week, he's planning a campaign on how to reach the city. Come on now. I'm not, not listen to me. I'm not knocking that, but here's the thing. If we only have a diet for an evangelist, we will have all kind of souls, but they will be trained to do nothing. Now, if we got a teacher at the helm, at the helm we will be a major informed church, but we will lack any experience. Gosh, this is good. This is good. I'm about to CD myself. This is good. I'm learning myself right here. Listen, we will, we will be an informed church and we have got to have information. Teaching, the teaching gifts is where we get in the most debates because teachers have to be correct. Anybody ever sit in a classroom, don't ever challenge the teacher. I even catch myself doing this, and I got this from the Ninja Turtles. You gotta have, if you really want to seek God, get you some children, you'll learn how to find God in children's stuff. In the Ninja Turtles, I always tell Matt and Stanton this. In the Ninja Turtles, we're going to challenge um, Splinter. You remember that? The Sensei. And Splinter told him this. Listen to this. He said, Remember, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. So the teacher is so, the teacher, the teacher is really not caring about the wholeness of the environment. The teacher is wondering if we are correct in the environment. Now let me say this, without the absence of the teacher at work in the church, the church will never be grounded in the present truth that God is saying. So here's the deal, we need the prophet to declare vision. We need him to declare what God is saying. The teacher's job is to rise up and ground the truth in what the prophet is declaring. Come on, somebody. The evangelist is to wake the church up and say, hey, remember, there's something going on outside the stained glass windows. There's a dying hell out there. And we people dying and going to hell, and we got to reach them. We don't bring the evangelist in the church to reap the souls. Although that happens, we bring the evangelists in the church to ignite the heart of the church to burn for the lost. You with me? So all of these five are working. Now, the pastor, he will have a healthy church, but what they don't like is risk. They don't like to take risk in the environment. So the emphasis will not be on experiencing God. Come on. And so people say, well, well, man, you know, Pastor, aren't you worried about if your people start experiencing God, will they not get deceived? I will tell you this, if you haven't experienced God, you're already deceived. Because if, if you have no experience, someone can take the information from you. Come on now. When the word is sown, 
Because we don't move from experience, we don't never get from knowledge to experience. Where's the word sown? The scripture says, Matthew 13, you, you with me? Give me 10 minutes right here. And I'm going to put this plane on the ground and we're going to go eat some good chicken and enjoy the afternoon, okay? When the word of God is sown, where's it sown? It's sown into the heart. Listen to me, it's sown into the heart. You know where God's sowing the word at today? He's sowing it in the heart. He's not sowing it in the head. But the scripture says, but because we never move from knowledge to experience, the wicked one comes and snatches it away. He doesn't snatch it away and throw it out there somewhere. He actually snatches it up about eight inches and he leaves it right in your head. And the church then moves off a of head knowledge. And we become hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. Whew, my gosh. Aren't you with me? Let's look at this. I got, I got 10 minutes right here. Mr. Tom released 10 minutes to me. Listen to this. Teacher's primary role. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.15 that we have many teachers. We have many teachers. But we do not have many fathers. What does he say? The church has plenty of teachers. Now let me just say this. Do you know this morning that as the church we are segregated and divided not over 90% what we disagree on. Really, according to Rick Jordan in one of his books, we really only disagree with about 3%. And that 3% of disagreement keeps us divided. We're never going to agree totally on doctrinal agreement. We don't build relationships on doctrinal agreement. I believe in doctrine. Paul told Timothy to watch your doctrine and watch it closely because in that you're going to save yourself and those who hear you. Now, if we get out there preaching that, you know what I'm saying, bring you a flowered shirt next week, we're going to drink Kool-Aid and go to, I mean, you know what I'm saying, and get tickets to Guyana, then I'm telling you right now, you better be getting off the boat. <laughs> you hit me? All right. Look at this. We got to have... We've got to have, let me just say this too, because I'm, I'm going to finish this up and just talk out of my heart this minute. He said this, you have many teachers. So the problem with the church is not teachers. But he said you have few fathers. Now let me tell you where we've made the mistake of what I've seen. Is the only men that we've said that could be fathers is, is, is apostles. Do you hear me? Now, and I've heard it said like this, not all fathers are apostles. But all apostles are fathers. I disagree with that statement. Because I've seen men that were not apostles be far more of a father than men who had the title of apostles. Now let me just say this. There shouldn't be one father in this room. There should be multiple fathers in this room. There should be multiple mothers in this room. And where we've made it is if we made one man the father that we all got to run to. There is one father that we all run to. His name is Yahweh God. Now let me just say this. I'm not highlighting him, but I thought about this this morning. This was in the month of October. Things was tight and I was stretching. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stretch the pennies like dental floss. And we had to get the lights changed on the outside of the building. 
and, 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 and we, we changed the lights on the outside of the building because the storm blew them off. Well, I found a cheaper rate. I found a cheaper and a better insurance company than the one we had. I could have filed that on the insurance claim. But the reason why I didn't is I knew within five weeks I was changing the insurance claim and I did not want anything to, to question the, the integrity of this house. So we paid for it in full. You with me? So when we changed the lights, I remember when I was handed the bill. And it was just one of them times. Anybody ever get tight? You know what I'm talking about? It's just where it was at. So when we handed the bill, Steve saw it in my eyes. And this is what he did. The bill was $1,700. He said, let me have that. I got that. That's a father. Did you hear what I said? That's a father. The father will bear the load so the son, where have, we, where have we messed this thing up about fathering in the church that the son bears all the load? Come on, friend. Is that how it operates in your house? I believe them three boys, those three boys of mine over there are not worried about nothing. Why? Because I'm bearing the load. I bear the load of the mortgage. I bear the load of the lot payment. I bear the load of everything they got. Come on, somebody. It's somewhere we've got this off in the American church. We've looked at some type of wicked model in the world and brought that over in the church and thought our father was pleased with that. Let me tell you what our father's pleased with. Our father, when we couldn't get our own self out of debt, he gave up the best thing he had and sent his only begotten son so that we can live for him for eternity. Make me preach this right here. So, so in this, we do not have, we got many, let me say this, we got a lot of men, a lot of boys with gifted in the church, but we don't have many mature men in the church is what he's saying. You got a lot of boy leaders, but you got few men. Might calm it down. Take a deep breath. I'm done right here, okay? I'm, I'm closing right here. I'm fishing close. Just roll with that right there. I got you. Back there. I'm closing. So fathers, there's a clip. There was two young worship leaders, two young nobodies, if you will, at this time. They're at a church called Christ for the Nations. Bring, bring it down. Bring it down. Don't let it go in on this CD right there either too. So don't worry the mix will be right. All right. Two young people. Let me tell you what honor is. True honor is what Jesus did for you and I. I'm a medal right here because Tom gave me 10 and I've only used five. But let me tell you this, the blessing of the Lord upon your life, God blesses you, not because you, look, you, just, some, you just some look like something that needs to be blessed. That ain't the reason why he blesses you. He blesses you because he sees what level of influence you have. And the blessing comes to your life. If the blessing don't touch everybody you have influence with, then you have misused the blessing on your life. Hello, that's good preaching right there. So this stage, I have been preparing for 20 years. 20 years of my life since 1998 when I was 18 years old to get a stage that I'm standing on today. Jesus prepared 30 years for his stage. But let me show you what he did. How he fathered his sons. 
Boys, I'm going to send y'all out. I'm going to stay here in the office and pray, but I want y'all to go out. And he sent them out. And the ten come back rejoicing. And the seventy came back rejoicing. Said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He turned around and said, God, they failed. Then he said, hold on, Peter. Don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. See, true fathers will allow their stage and they'll get to the back of that stage and allow those sons to come up on that stage and say, go. Two young people. Nobody knew their name. But there was a man by the name of Klaus Kuhn. I'm probably butchering his name. He's got a hard name. Klaus Kuhn was the worship leader. Christ for the nations. Saw two young people. Said, my God, they got something. And he started willingly backing up. Allowing them to get on that stage. You know them today by Carrie Job and Rick Pino. If they was under some egotistic ministry that thought that stage was just his, we would probably never heard their CD. But because a father looked down and saw something in their life and was willing to yield his own position. See, if this thing's done right, we're working ourselves right out of a job. Every Sunday, I'm growing him up to take my place. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. And when he gets to place, I don't look back behind like that. I just say, run, 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 run. Come on, somebody. When is the stepping place for the son going to be the father's high place? Come on, somebody. The father's roof is the son's launching pad. When we see this, when we see this coming alive in the church, we're going to see momentum like you have never seen come in the church. Because what we've had is we have had sons that have to scratch it out from nothing because we've got boy leaders that cannot yield a place for a son to grow. Come on, somebody. But as we see these mature people take their place in the body of Christ, we're going to see a momentum come to the church. I'm telling you, folks, you ain't seen nothing yet. You watch by the closing of this year and the next decade. What William Branham did and what took years to do, God's going to do it overnight. We're going in this Matthew 20, the parable of the labors, the greatest preachers you ain't heard yet. They still down in the crack house but they're going to hear the call of God. And these tattooed prophets, mohawk wearing evangelists, earrings all up in. See, see we, we put boys, season pre wait till it starts happening. Robbie Dawkins had a vision. And this vision, he's seen people doing all kind of stuff in the church. Seance, having sex in the church, all kind of crazy stuff, all kind of wicked stuff. He started saying, my God, started cursing while I was going. God said, I thought you said you want the harvest. See, this parable of the labors, what has happened, those of us that have pulled it for 20 years are fixing to watch the ones come in in the last hour and get the same reward. What took us 20 years to get, they're going to get. Overnight. Y'all, I'm just trying to I just come by and tell you this morning, we're in a good day. I got to remind myself what day we're living in, we're in a good day. You with me? There's true fathers on the earth. 
I thank God for every spiritual father I've ever had, right or wrong. The things, listen, what, what some meant for evil, God turned around for my good. Come on, somebody. Joseph wouldn't have never became ruler if he didn't have brothers that sold him out into slavery. Come on, somebody. But let me tell you something. The Bible says when he was butt naked on the auction block, that's right, he was butt naked, standing there butt naked as a slave. And the Bible says that Joseph was a successful man because the Lord was with him. That tells me success doesn't have to do with bank account numbers. It doesn't have to do with what I drive or what I wear. It has everything to do if God is with me or not. And if God be with me, then who in the world could ever be against me, friend? If God's with you, you could be thrown out. You could be thrown out of the city and stone left for dead, and you'll rise back up and come back in that city. If God be with you, friend, I'm here to tell you this morning: God is with us. He's not through with this place called Sparks, Georgia. We're rising up and taking our place. We know that God's with us. Come on, friend. Great days are ahead of us. Great days are for your family. God is with you, and He is for you. He's pleased with you, friend. My God, come on, church, let's honor him. Come on, give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Raise your hands, I'm gonna bless you. Raise your hands, I'm gonna bless you. Father, I bless this people right here this morning. Father, I thank you for the gifts and the callings of God in this house. I thank you for the gifting that is upon their life. I bless them this morning, God. I pray great strength, great joy, renewed vision, Renewed hope right now. The dream, the dream again, Father, right now, release it in this house. Scripture says when Joseph was stripped of his dream, it says, yet Joseph dreamed another dream. I declare you anointed. Did you hear what I said? I declare that you anointed. I declare that the spirit of the Lord God is upon you. He has anointed you to heal the sick. He has anointed you to cast out devils, to recover the sight of the blind, to recover the hearing of the deaf, to recover, to bring salvation to the lost. I declare you are anointed people right now. I declare that you shall lay your hands upon the sick and see them recover. I declare that you shall lay your hands upon the demon eyes and see them set free right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare that God shall give you the words to speak to lost family members and you shall see them turned around. I declare that God shall give you words of knowledge when you rise up in the morning till you go down at night. I declare you'll bless the cashiers, you'll bless the waiters right now with words of knowledge. You are an anointed people. You are an apostolic people who persevere. You are a people that are trained, that are trained and equipped to carry the gospel. I declare this morning that you are Ezekiel's river. You shall leave this place and the further you get away from the temple, the greater the glory shall be upon your life. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Give God a big hand clap of praise. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.